0: This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Please pray with me. Lord Christ, you said to your disciples, Blessed are your eyes for they see, and your ears for they hear. Please, Lord, give us seeing eyes and hearing ears. Give us that same blessing, that we might see you. Amen. Amen. Be seated. This sermon is going to be a little different than normal, but I think we're going to have fun. If you are at all like me, you may have had to fight to stay focused during that gospel reading. I have heard the parable of the sower preached and taught seemingly every possible way probably dozens of times in my life. When I sat down with this text to prepare for this sermon, my first reaction was, I don't have anything new to say about this. (laughs) And I still don't, honestly. But this parable, and especially Jesus' conversation with his disciples between the parable and its interpretation made me curious about what parables are and how we are supposed to receive them. Are they just stories that illustrate a point, or are they more? Are they intentionally mysterious and hard to understand? And if so, why would Jesus do that? Why would he intentionally shroud his message? Our typical approach to Jesus' parables, or at least my typical approach, is to Cut through the illustration to get to the meaning. What is the point Jesus is trying to make, right? Get that and move on. But when we handle them this way, the parables of Jesus become expected. Our interpretations become pretty established and clear cut. We can sum up the point of a parable in a sentence. We don't tend to come to these stories wondering what treasures may be in them yet unseen. So we often feel like I felt when I sat down to preach this sermon on this text. I know this parable. I know what it means. What more is there to say about it? But what if there was a different way? I don't know if you have seen this before. This is a part of our children's ministry curriculum that we use here at Ascension. It's a parable box. This is one way that we share Jesus' parables with our kids. The materials inside are visual elements of the story, usually wooden figurines and small pieces of felt as backdrops. And The parable is not so much taught as it is revealed. It's presented simply in a way to intentionally invite curiosity, to invite wondering. The storyteller will hold the box and ask the children first what what they notice. And it's usually pointed out that it's gold. Why would it be gold? Maybe because it's very valuable. Gold is valuable. And it looks kind of like a gift. In fact, the storyteller will tell the kids, parables are gifts given to you. This parable is yours. And then we notice together that the box has a lid. Jesus' parables sometimes can be hard to open as if they have a lid on them. They can be hard to get inside. Honestly, that's how I feel about parables sometimes. They can be frustratingly confusing as if they have a lid. And I'm not alone in this. Jesus' disciples felt this frustration too. We heard them ask him in today's lesson, why, Jesus? Why make these things harder for us to understand? And Jesus answers by telling them what a privilege it is to be able to look into these mysteries. The secrets of the kingdom of heaven, he says, are a gift. They are to be received as a gift. Not everyone will see that, so not everyone will be able to get inside. Jesus says it's possible to see but not really perceive or to listen, but not really understand. Preacher Barbara Brown Taylor notes that Jesus' parables conceal his meaning even as they reveal it. Jesus speaks in such a way that only certain kinds of listeners can really hear him. So some people will hear these words, hear these stories, and the meaning hides itself because they aren't really listening. Could it be that when we shove past the story to get to the nugget of truth inside, we do the same thing? The truth is, with Jesus' parables, the lids do not come off. The stories do not open themselves up to every person who approaches them. And though this can feel like a deterrent, I believe it's meant to be an invitation. Our kids' church storytellers would explain it this way. They would say, sometimes you knock on the lid and the lid opens. But sometimes it remains closed, even if you think you're ready. I don't know why this is, but don't let it worry you. We can come back again and again, and one day it will open. What a wildly different way of approaching a parable, isn't that? But given the words we just heard from Jesus himself about this, this seems to me a much more fitting approach. Not taking it as a given that we will know exactly what it's supposed to mean. Receiving it as one receives a gift. Approaching it with curiosity. To rip the lid off to get to the point misses the treasures offered to us in the wondering. Treasures that reveal themselves as the story unfolds and we listen and perceive with eyes and ears of faith. After the parable is presented to them, laid out before them, the children are then invited to be curious. The storyteller asks a series of questions framed as, I wonder. For example, I wonder what part of the story you liked best. Or... I wonder who the sower is. And I think there's a lot that we can learn from this approach as grown-ups. Do we receive the scriptures, Jesus' parables, as precious gifts for us? Do we wonder about the stories, the characters in them, the places and images with curiosity? Do we play with them and explore them as if they are ours? Or are we so intent on getting to the teaching to the point that we don't allow space for the story to open itself up to us, for the Holy Spirit to move in these images and stories in ways we might not expect? Now, maybe you're hearing me and thinking, that is a one-way ticket straight to confusion at best and heresy at worst. (laughs) Am I saying we just have license to interpret the scriptures or the words of Jesus however we please? No, I don't think so. That's not what I'm saying. Not if we take seriously the witness of the church and the witness of the Holy Spirit. What I mean is we don't seek to understand the word of God in a vacuum. The scriptures were given to the community of faith. We believe interpretation is the work of the church, all of us together, past and present. We never read alone, nor do we come to these stories as blank slates. Rather, our personal experiences of God in these stories are powerfully shaped by the theology we learn together in our liturgy, by singing songs and praying prayers that have been used by Christians for generations, by reciting our faith in the words of the ancient creeds. So can our wondering and curiosity lead us down a trail that is irrelevant or even untrue? Yeah, of course, but we are held in check by the community. Our faith is one we confess corporately. So we can have freedom to be curious about the scriptures because we take seriously the witness of the church. And furthermore, because we take seriously the Holy Spirit. So if I feel anxiety about being curious with the scriptures, about engaging imaginatively, I think that actually betrays my lack of trust in the power of God's word to do what it does. Is my formation by the Word of God primarily my correct acquisition of knowledge? Or is it in my submission to God, who by his Spirit uses the words and stories in these pages to effect more effectively than a double edged sword, dividing my soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and judging the thoughts and attitudes of my heart? In other words, when I come to the scriptures, am I coming only to gain knowledge? or am I open to the reality that something might happen? We heard the powerful words of Isaiah 55 read just earlier. God Almighty says, For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there unless they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that for which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Could we dare to believe that the Spirit of God desires to accomplish something in us as we hear and receive these words? This model for exploring the parables, rather than cutting through the illustration to get to the point, instead of making room to receive the seed of God's word, to let it do what it does, is a pretty poignant application for the parable that we read today, the parable of the sower. We all want to be the fourth soil, right? Let's be honest, we want to be the good one, with the deep roots and no rocks or thorns or weeds or anything like that. How do I make sure that I'm the good soil? Well, Jesus tells his disciples that the good soil is one who hears the word of the kingdom and understands, and thereby bears a harvest. And this sense of understanding is much more than cognitive reception of knowledge. In Matthew's gospel, understanding is about faith. It's about standing under, as one scholar translates it. The gospels of Mark and Luke, where we also find this parable, affirm this. In their accounts, the good soil is someone who hears and receives the word, or hears and holds on to it. So, how do we understand, stand under? receive and hold on to God's word. This is where I think this children's ministry exercise for teaching the parables is really onto something. It makes space for the seed of the word to be received and held onto and explored. This is playing with the same ideas as St. Ignatius in his imaginative prayer exercises, sitting with a passage of scripture, entering into the story, setting aside what you already think it means in allowing the Holy Spirit to fill that space and meet you. I think this is what the good soil does. It makes room for the seed of the gospel, receives it as a gift, allows it to be what it is and do what it does. Really that's all that's required of us, to make room for the seed. God causes it to take root and burst forth with life. So with our remaining moments together, I want to practice this. I warned you that this would be a different kind of sermon. As much as you can, I want you to get comfortable in your pew and set aside distractions. and Take a few deep breaths. I'm going to read the parable of the sower again for us. And when I'm finished, I'm going to slowly ask some questions. Some of these are straight from our children's ministry curriculum, and some are my own. You can feel free to jot down the questions as I go, to spend more time in them later, or just sit and experience it in the moment. Enter in to the curiosity and to the wonder. We're going to see if the lid of this parable, of this gift, will open just a bit and let us peek inside. Pay attention to what catches your interest as you hear it. You're invited to wonder, to explore. This story is yours. So hear the words of Jesus. Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil, and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. I wonder, what part of the story did you like best? I wonder what part didn't you like? I wonder what part of this story is about you? I wonder what was that sower up to throwing seeds all over the place? I wonder how much seed the sower used. I wonder how the sower felt when the birds came and ate up all the seed. I wonder what the sower was up to planting seeds in rocky ground. I wonder what the sower was doing when the thorns were choking out the plants. I wonder Were the seeds thrown in four different locations, or was it all in the same field? And what difference would that make? I wonder if the soil had just one chance to receive the word, or does the sower sow the seed every season? What is the sower up to after the seeds are in the ground? Does he tend? I wonder what the harvest could really be. I wonder why there are different amounts. I wonder if the sower was surprised at the harvest. Jesus says, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Thanks be to God.